0: Every legend is based on fact. Every myth is grounded in truth. For 17 years, the town of Haddonfield, Illinois has been haunted by a night when evil roamed the streets and a madman ruled the night. Everyone knows his name. Now, everyone will know the truth.
1: I knew what
0: he was, but I never knew why. Halloween since the origin of Michael Myers. Pasadena has a lot Got of it. important landmarks, <laughs> mostly from Halloween 1 and 2. <laughs>
1: 1 and 2, Back to the Future, yep, B-wolf. Halloween, Pee-wee's Halloween Big Top, two. Big Top Pee-wee, rather. Well, the leaves are falling,
0: the pumpkins are being carved, and the knives are slashing yet again here at Recon Cinema Studios. That's right. It's our special Halloween episode of Reconsideration. I'm your host, John Diner.
1: I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins.
0: And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're checking out how they hold up today. And we're here again. It's time to look at the next installment of the Halloween series, Halloween 6, The Curse
2: of Michael Myers. It seems like it's the Shocktober of sequels. Like there's just been nothing but deep franchise sequels. Yeah. I mean, obviously we got a couple of the things in there, but these guys were running deep into this right now with the, with all of the nightmare Friday and Halloween movies.
0: Yeah. We've had a sequel. It's sequel city here at reconsideration. And, uh, yeah, we're deep into it. Where we uh, this October we've looked at Nightmare on Elm Street Four, uh the Dr- the Dream Master. We looked at Friday the thirteenth, part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan. We pivoted to, I guess, the first of a series in The Exorcist. And now here we are, Halloween six. Most most fans say the best of all the Halloween films.
2: Oh, do they? Most <laughs> yeah. fans say the best of the Halloween films. None of the fans I talk to.
0: <laughs> well, David, it's got to be fans? your favorite.
2: <laughs> How many
1: fans have you been talking to, by the way? Uh, th- uh, where are you, th- where are you finding them? Three. Where, it's, in the uh, me- it's, in the,
2: it's in the message boards. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it's on your
0: Illinois. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, uh, yeah, I you know, we're... we're... We're getting through uh, all of these uh, sequels and, and we're, at, we're at this phase of all all the Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th and Halloween franchises that maybe we're not in the best movies, but they're all interesting. And it is interesting to see how some of these movies go off the rails like this one. And the making of the movie is a lot more interesting than <laughs> what came out on screens uh, for, the, for the audience. But if you've if you've not been listening and you want to catch up on our old episodes of the other Halloween movies, just check them out. We've got Halloween's one through uh, one through five in our archives at www.reconcimation.com so you can check those out anytime. and, uh, and here, here we are. But, um, and gosh, I, I don't even know where to start, but before we get into it, let's do our segment we like to call six degrees of Reconcimation.
2: No shit.
0: Okay. <laughs> Here we go. It's my turn again. Let's go.
2: Okay.
0: So, by the end of the episode, you guys will need to connect Halloween 6 to Toy Story. Oh. Another 1995 film. Without, without cheating, without looking it up, Halloween 6 to Toy Story. So we'll come back at the end of the episode and see what you guys came up with. Uh, okay, so now coming back to uh, Halloween 6, when was the first time you guys saw this movie? Brent, what, what was the first viewing for you?
2: Oh, first viewing? You know, it's interesting. This one was not necessarily on my radar when it released uh, originally. Um, I think... Well, I'm I'm positive. I know when I when I watched it, but I think when it released originally, it came out and seven was out, and it was seven was kind of like a huge deal. So I think at the time yeah. I was more interested in in that. But I saw this, uh, I believe, summer of '96, and the reason I saw it is because I was just graduated high school. Uh local newspaper publishes an article saying that there's open calls for a for a movie that's being made just 20 minutes away from where I live. The movie was called The Locusts, which at the time had a few young up-and-coming uh actors in it. Uh Ashley Judd, who was probably the most popular at the time, was in it. Kate Capshaw was in it, and she was obviously the most like well-known, but It was also Vince Vaughn, uh, Jeremy Davies, and Mr. Paul Rudd. And so on the day of shooting, the one day that I went in, I ended up sitting in the costume trailer for like 20 minutes. And he was in there at the same time, totally chill dude. Uh, He was getting his makeup done. And we were just kind of like talking and hanging out. And at the time, the only thing he was really known for was Clueless, really. Uh, which had just come out like it came out right before this movie, but had come out like the summer before I was sitting in this trailer. And so we talked for like 20 minutes. He was totally chill. I was super excited just to be like on a real live movie set. And he was like so down to earth and totally awesome. And afterwards, I was like, I got to look this dude up and watch everything that he's in. And that's when I realized he was in this. And so I finally over the summer when I was working at video impact watched it and you know that 20 minutes talking to Paul Rudd was probably you know I mean it's definitely has made me a fanboy of his my entire life so prior to him getting super popular during the Judd Apatow phases and even more so during Marvel and all that like I've always uh kind of enjoyed his his movies because of that kind of experience so that but that was absolutely the reason that I saw this movie 'Cause I had I had completely missed it. Like I think I was pretty detached from Halloween in general at this point because four and five were not great. And I saw six on the shelves, but I was like, Meh, I don't think so. Until Paul convinced me otherwise. And uh whatever happened. To wow. You? Never, to never Paul saw it again. Yeah. He hasn't done much. Yeah, not a lot. I, I think a couple years ago he was like sexiest man alive that was (laughs) like what what just happened i don't know pretty strange but you never know who you're talking to when you know 30 almost 30 years ago or over 30 years ago whenever i'm not doing math right now but it uh you know i would have never suspected that this dude was gonna like be you know people's sexiest man alive or be you know in some of the highest grossing box office movies ever. So, who would have, but, who would
0: have guessed really that he, even during the Apatow years, that, that he would have gone the, absolutely. the direction he went afterwards?
2: I mean, Clueless, honestly, after watching this movie, you would never guess that he would be in anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, we'll talk I, about that. Because you, he, even, though, even though Clueless released first, I think this was filmed first. And this feels like a very much like a first film kind of performance.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you, David? Is this a first time viewing for you? There's no way you saw this movie before. Not yeah. this one.
1: No, no, Yeah, no. Didn't even know they went this high. <laughs> so uh just watched it this week.
0: And how angry at me were you while you were watching
1: it? I mean, I, there's always been a tremble in anger for both of you since every, it's every October. So just, hatred. it doesn't, it doesn't really uh doesn't really like peak or valley. It's, it's pretty it's steady. just steady. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, I knew this was coming. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, it was boy. Not a, I didn't spring it on you.
1: Yeah. So I was, I was, I was prepared as I normally am. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got to delight, delight in the 82 minute long Halloween movie. Is it 82 minutes? Or it's somewhere it's under, around there. It's under yeah. 90. Yeah. I think as it should I, think I remember thinking this is well under 90 minutes. This is a TV <laughs> and, movie. And it, they could have cut out another
0: like 70 minutes of it and, and it would have been <laughs> maybe better. You know,
1: there's yeah. there's entire characters and plot lines you can cut. And then just, you know, it's a it's a 25 minute Halloween special.
2: <laughs> yeah. Instead of cutting more of it out, they actually made three different versions that you can watch. Which is oh, oh yeah. which is the right way to go. That's the, that's the right decision. It's choose your own adventure, I guess. With uh, it, really
1: is. This is there um, a, are the other two better than this?
2: It depends on which one you saw. I think the one that's most easily viewable now is the producer's cut, which was not the theatrical cut. <clears throat> oh, and that is. I guess considered the best of all the versions but using mm. a term like best is very like yeah subjective here.
1: Yeah. I I watched it on the streaming platform Paramount Plus.
2: Yeah. It's yeah. not an ad so, for Paramount so Plus. So you saw the producer's cut, buddy? Yeah. Oh, okay. It is okay. the
0: uh well we'll say it's the least incoherent of the three versions. Oh Ima- no! Imagine that. <laughs> Instead of the word "best," we'll say "least incoherent."
2: Sure, that's
1: that is quite a uh, qualifier.
0: Yeah, I so, so 1995 is when I really got into the Halloween movies, and it was right around the time that I remember seeing like previews for Halloween Six coming, which got me excited. But then I really watched the previews, and it looked even just from the trailers I thought it looked bad but uh, but there had been this and we'll get into the the making of this you know five or six year gap in the Halloween series so so there was some excitement about a new Halloween movie but that quickly was uh, squashed once people started to see it. so I didn't actually end up seeing this one till it was on video Brent right after probably right around the same time that you did it was the fall of 96 when I saw it. And uh, my friend Chris and I, after class, we were after school, we would like go down to his house, which is right near the school, and we went through the Halloween movies, like all of them, except three. We just leapfrogged over three because I was mad at it at the time. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah and i was just like baffled by it and that was the original theatrical cut which has an entirely different ending and just very different uh format than than the one that's most readily available right now but i remember seeing like oh that's the the guy from clueless the guy from those uh game genie commercials or those or, or super nintendo one of them uh that's all paul rudd was to me at that time and to anybody and uh so it was it was funny just to see uh, how how big he would eventually get, like we were just talking about. But yeah, so and I have not seen Halloween Six uh, since the fall of '96 uh, until uh, watching it for this episode. So there was a lot I didn't remember. I will happily never watch this one again, <laughs> and that's, that's the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> you're never throwing you're never tossing this one back on for for fun. No, no. For background, for not even to teach people to stay away from this kind of movie.
0: No, the only ones I—I I mean, I watch Halloween, the original Halloween quite often. Uh, Halloween two, I'll watch you know every couple of years. Four, maybe right behind that, and then the twenty eighteen version. So, hmm. that's that's all the all the Michael Myers I need.
1: Understood, understood. I I get yeah. that feeling. I know what it's like to be full up on. Michael Myers. <laughs> You're there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm topped off. Uh, okay. So
0: let's, uh, before we dive into the movie, Brent, let's go on a little reconcent a time travel. Bring us back to September 29th, 1995. What's happening in the world?
2: Well, let's see. September 29th, 1995. The most important and coolest thing is that is three days after my brother's 15th birthday. And that's
1: Probably the biggest
2: news in town, but beyond that, Bill Clinton is, uh, is president. Um, the PlayStation was released in September, 1995. The very first PS one came in 1995. Uh, let's see. They had, um, uh, on TV, big things were like murder. She wrote married with children, ER and Xena warrior princess, uh, Grunge was starting to kind of like die down a little bit, um, but it was still a big deal. And big time news stuff at the time was the trial of Mr. O.J. Simpson. Oh, that. Yeah, that was going on for sure. Uh, And then video games wise, Mortal Kombat 2. Mortal Kombat! that That was happening. That's what was happening at my house. (laughs) <laughs> on my brother's birthday, three days oh. earlier was Mortal oh. Kombat 2. The
1: yeah. home release. Yes. The home release so. happened. Mortal, yeah. Mo- Mortal Tuesday. Mortal Monday, I think it was. Mortal, yeah, Mortal, Mortal Monday. Monday. Yeah. It was probably more.
0: As, as we covered in our Mortal Kombat episode, again, dig that one out of the archives, Reconcination.com. That's one of our better episodes. I, we, we, You guys did a great job on that one. Um, yeah,
2: it was a good one. Yeah,
0: thanks. The, so. All right, rewinding for a second, PlayStation sure. coming out. Yeah, that was like my—I think my life changed when I got my first PlayStation. I just oh. thought that was such an advancement compared to what Genesis and Super. I never had Super Nintendo, but like, you know, what, what those systems were. PlayStation was just such a leap ahead. Yeah. Were you, did you guys have the PS One?
1: Uh, I, I did. I eventually got it in late '97 uh and Ah. uh, after enjoying my uh, friend's uh uh, systems so it was one of my first big purchases like
2: after having a job (laughs) (laughs) i'm pretty sure we had the ps1 but i there was a time in my life where i kind of like dipped out on video games so so the the nes then the super nes was all into those then my brother got into sega because I was like the Nintendo kid, so he had to be the Sega kid. He got into Mortal Kombat. That was happening. And then there's kind of a gray period, like end of high school for me, where it's like I didn't really video game much. But I definitely remember playing things like Twisted Metal 2, but I think that was all PS2. I don't know if that was on PlayStation or PS2. No, that was PS1. Okay, so Yeah, 1, I 2, definitely...
0: and 3. I'm a big Twisted Metal nut. No. Oh. Uh, 1 one two and three were all on ps1
2: yeah greatest greatest early playstation game i feel like for sure too bad they totally muffed the tv series but i would love if they made that game again because that would be rad to play as a well, if
0: you're i will say if you're a playstation plus member uh they have in the in the catalog they have Twisted Metal one and two available now. So you can so I've been playing them for the past like two weeks.
2: In their archives? Yeah, that'd be dope to play. Yeah. I would just like yeah. to see an updated version.
0: Yeah, well, they could. They the, the fourth game was great, Twisted Metal Black. That was for PS2. David, tell us, try to tell us what the heck is happening in Halloween six, The Curse of Michael Myers, please.
1: Oh, oh boy. Uh let me know if this this is on track. So Michael Myers is free again. On Halloween, as he stalks his adopted family, uh oh no, the adopted family of his sister, uh, who is living in his home, uh, while he's trying to track down his niece, who has given birth to his child, which I guess is a plot twist in the middle of the movie, but it's not unobvious. Or <laughs> 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 uh to fulfill the will of the cult. That serves him i think and then tommy doyle who was the young boy on laurie's babysitting gig when michael attacked her uh is, is a young man now and he's keeping an unhealthy tab on the strode household and gets involved to save michael's son from the cult and there's other stuff with previous characters like uh dr Limis. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the the woman that lives in the Strode home, that's her, with her son, with her son, also has a son. Or is that a little brother? <laughs> I can't quite track it. <laughs> I hate this movie. It's all very clear. It seems,
2: it's, that seems about right. <laughs> Your confusion
0: equals the audience's confusion as they watch the movie.
1: <laughs> in the middle of the movie, I was like, "Wait a minute! What the hell's going on Wait, here? This really, is nuts! Yeah.
0: It it, but... it really is bizarre. This concoction of new characters in, in this one." But
2: well, I think um... well, you know, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day, uh, and uh, one of my coworkers who is a fan of Ooh. of this movie, uh, and and there are fans of this movie, and 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 that's fair. I think the thing with this that's interesting is it's it's trying to tie a bunch of shit together that was never really established in 4 and 5, but it's meant to be the third part of this trilogy of 4 and 5, right? Like the Jamie Lloyd trilogy. And right. like the Thorn deal and the Man in Black and all this stuff that really didn't exist in the fourth movie at all, and only existed as a small snippet in the fifth movie. Now they've created this entire like subplot that is supposed to carry the entire sixth movie. And it just doesn't work. Like yeah. it doesn't work. And it definitely, you know, in it it's in so many different directions. There's so many different things that are getting getting done that they're trying to like kind of tie into this. Like it just feels like one of those like too many cooks in the kitchen, like there's no clear direction, the story's all over the place and you know like try again, trying to like tie up these loose ends for a thing that never even had a really a storyline to begin with, right like how do you tie yeah. together two previous movies in the third movie? you know like yeah. it's it's interesting uh, and it's not successful.
0: Well, the the whole you know go back go back in our archives. Listen to our Halloween Five episode because we talk about how the man in black character was really just added in while they were shooting. They did there was no plan for that character. There was no uh, real storyline there. It's just something they they added because they were, you know, to create this other sense of mystery that there was no follow up for it. So, but you know, there what we're gonna. We're gonna dig through the pile of writers and directors that were involved in the pre-production of this movie uh, in just a minute, but uh, there's there's a reason it feels like it's it's many different movies and it's being pulled in a lot of different directions, and uh, there's there's a, re- a reason it worked out that way. But but we are in like in 1995 when this comes out, we're really like this is the year before Scream. And we're really in the doldrums of the horror uh, genre. Like we're in deep into a lot of sequels and various franchises. But listen, I'm going to fire off some horror movies that came out in 95. And you'll see kind of where we're at quality wise. Candyman 2, Children of the Corn 3, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. I do like that one. Uh, that uh,
2: secret love, secret. Yeah, secret there's a couple possible. good ones.
0: Yeah, uh, the Howling, New Moon Rising, Ice Cream Man, starring Clint Howard, <laughs> Leprechaun, <laughs> <laughs> Leprechaun Three, uh, Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. The, there was a Piranha remake. I think a TV movie okay. that came out. The Prophecy, Species, starring Michael uh-huh. Madsen, Tales from uh, Tales from the Wait, it was Tales from the Crips, Tales from the Hood, right? Wasn't that a Tales from the Crip movie? No, no, Tales from no. the Hood is just its own.
2: Okay. No, the Tales from the Crip movies were Demon Knight and Bordello of Blood. Those are the Bordello of Blood, that, that's the, yeah. the only two they got got to do. Uh
0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, Vampire in Brooklyn, Village of the Damned by John Carpenter, and last but certainly not least, Witchboard 3. Okay. So that the is classic. Yeah, like look at that list of uh, of horror from 1995. And we're really in there's a couple good ones in there, but overall pretty bad shape up until Scream kind of energizes the whole genre the following year. Now, also at this point, where are Freddy Krueger? Where is Jason Voorhees? Well, they're kind of nowhere. The Freddy Krueger was basically done at this point. New Nightmare had come out in 1994, was not a big hit, and that was the end of the franchise at the time. Uh, Jason Voorhees, the last time he had been seen, which we'll be covering next year, is uh, Jason Goes to Hell, which wrapped up that franchise for almost 10 years. So both of those characters are out of the picture, and finally it's just Michael Myers who's got the whole spotlight to himself, and this is what (laughs) he came out with. So, all right. So let's catch up. Halloween Five comes out in nineteen eighty nine. Uh, is a is a failure at the box office. does not um, does not work on in many different ways, uh, and it's it's left the the caretaker of the franchise, who's Mustafa Akkad, very frustrated and unclear about where to start taking it for the next movie. So, Brent, you you mentioned. The Jamie Lloyd uh, Trilogy that right. That character played by Danielle Harris was set up. That is the new lead of the series, along with Dr. Loomis, and we're left with this kind of uh, this cliffhanger ending at the end of part five, where the man in black breaks into the sheriff's station and frees Michael Myers. And and I can't remember. Does where is Jamie at the end of five? Do you guys recall? I don't isn't remember. She, was she taking on her
2: way to the hospital?
0: I Yeah, I thought she was. But then in this one, we get this kind of like they recap that, but then we see the man in black has kidnapped her, which I don't think we actually saw that in part five.
2: No, isn't the end of five like the man in black shows up at the jail and he's like a silhouette? Yeah, breaks, the,
0: yep. Yeah, he breaks yeah. him out, breaks Michael Myers
2: out. So, yeah. So we skip. We yeah. skip ahead here.
0: Um, so with it not doing well and a question mark of where it's going to go uh they mustafa akkad hires daniel Farren's to uh to start writing you know start writing the next script and daniel Farren's actually directed some great documentaries uh the a lot of where we get our information from is uh from a book uh, on on uh excuse me a lot of information that we get for the Friday the Thirteenth franchise comes from a book called Crystal Lake Memories, and Daniel Farren's directed a documentary series that's based on that book. So, if, if you're a fan of the Friday the Thirteenth series, you should definitely check out that documentary. He also does a series on not, of documentaries on Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the Nightmare and Elm Street films. So, yeah, uh, you know, he is very well versed in in horror, and he is a big fan of the Halloween series. So. He puts in a tremendous amount of time and maps out all of the backstories, the through lines, the character biographies, the Myers family tree, the Strode family tree, like straightens out who everybody is, what their backstories are, potential plot lines going forward. He kind of like cleans everything up and lays. he writes a Bible in, in television. Uh, Every show should is supposed to have a Bible so that any questions that you're, you know, someone would ask about characters, it's all laid out there. And he does this for the Halloween films, everything about Dr. Loomis, about Laurie Strode, you know, Jamie Lloyd and and all of that's in there. But. um, Around this same time, Miramax ends up buying the rights to the series and. Kind of designates Dimension Films to be the uh, distributor for it and the producer of of the next Halloween movies. So Dimension Films, which was huge, you know, became a huge distributor, especially after the Scream films and uh, you know a lot of big horror movies uh, getting released all the way into the two thousands. I think they're still technically around. They had partnered with MTV for the Scream series but I don't think that they're actually producing the the last couple of Scream films. And I believe that they're, it looks like they're owned by Viacom now. So I guess they're part of the same umbrella that Paramount is under. Um, right. And they did end up losing. So they acquire the rights to the Halloween franchise in the very early 1990s. They lose them somewhere around 2015. Uh, but, you know, they've got new producers, so you're going to have a new creative kind of, vision for, for these films and uh, trying to, you know, figure out how to make a successful Halloween movie. And I don't think there was no formula for it. You know, they just brought back Michael Myers in 1988 after having been uh, on ice for a while, uh, brings him back for two films and trying to figure out how to write the ship. We talked about this in our Friday the 13th fil- films, uh, that you know, when you see that it's going downhill, the studios tend to get desperate about how to, like, write the ship. And that's what they're, they're at that phase here. That, uh, you know, again, Halloween movies are not losing money, but they're not making anywhere near the money that they are hoping for. So, all right. So we, we sort of get to this point from 91 through ninety. I guess, early 94 of this revolving door of writers and directors. So uh, Gary Fleeter uh, comes on to direct uh, with Phil Rosenberg hired as a writer. The script that they wrote together, Mustafa Khan. Literally, like threw the script across the room, and that was the end of it for them. Get this uh, shit
2: out of here!
0: Yeah. So you know, and all these take time. Like it's not these scripts. It take months. It takes months to write a script. So uh next up is Quentin Tarantino to write, who who pushes for Scott Spiegel to direct. Now, imagine Tarantino, a Tarantino version
2: sounds sounds pretty interesting. <laughs>
0: It could be, but he, uh, you know, this is before Pulp Fiction and probably right after Reservoir Dogs. So he's one of the biggest writers in town. Uh, But um, And Scott Spiegel's a friend of his who'd written Evil Dead 2. And there's a lot of debate whether Tarantino actually wrote a script or whether he just made a pitch to Dimension. Uh, But whatever it was, the storyline he wanted to do was basically what he kept repeating. Which was Natural Born Killers? Right. That was his version. For True Romance, was very similar to Natural Born Killers. This would be Michael Myers and and the the Man in Black go on this road trip killing spree. Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess would we have rather had that version over what we got? What do you
2: guys think? I mean, no one would have liked that. No one would make the road trip. There was a time where I liked Natural Born Killers, and there's still moments in that movie that hit. But I don't know, you know, yeah. like w- w- that would have been weird too. Like, no, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Michael Myers with the Man in Black in a Thelma and Louise movie. Like that's yeah. weird. It's... Yeah, you, you, everyone would be complaining,
1: well, this isn't a Halloween movie. Uh, you know, Michael Myers doesn't drive around the country uh, with a buddy and kill people. And, you know, there's no matter how good it was, it'd be like, well, this isn't Halloween. <laughs> There'd be those purists. So, yeah, I don't know how well it'd be received. It'd have to be like, uh, you know, you'd have to have a real open mind, <laughs> I think, yeah. to really pivot. That's why. Yeah. Well, it's like I'd
0: be... it's like Terrence. Tarantino doing Star Trek, you know, that's been talked about for years. Like, what would that be? And do we really want to see that?
2: Right. I'd be more into a storyline of Michael Myers being possessed by something in the house, a la Amityville Horror. And so he's always just trying to get back to the house and terrorize the family that happens to live there until they shut the house down. Instead of coming up with like a thorn cult, what the hell is this? thing magic tattoos that go from one wrist to the next like (laughs) you don't have that uh i do but we don't talk about it
0: (laughs) yeah you know it's it's hard though that with both not so much nightmare on elm street but friday the 13th and halloween that the core story is jason Voorhees at crystal lake and michael myers in haddonfield yeah. So when, but how many times can you do that before it starts to get old and tired? And yeah, until you have to take Jason on to Manhattan,
2: or exactly, yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: But. And but yet they're seeing how that failed. So it's kind of like, well, what are you going to do? You keep it in in plain old Haddonfield. That's boring after a while. But if you start changing it up too much, then it then it doesn't feel like it's that movie, you know? I mean, this is Maybe. the same
2: issue I had with like the new versions of the Halloween movies, right? They had a opportunity at some point to sit down and figure out a through line from the first movie to the last movie instead of just we've got two movies, let's tie it all together in a third movie that doesn't make any kind of sense yeah which i feel like is exactly what happened with the newer ones which you can hear me rant crazily oh yeah in the archives but it's the same sort of deal like it just doesn't you know they really bought into this thorn thing and this man in black thing and yeah
0: yeah they committed
2: they well, did commit i
1: think this is the this is for this uh firmly in the you know Case for we don't need more sequels to things that we enjoyed. Yes, we enjoyed the thing we enjoyed. Doing it any, doing anything with it is going to uh, affect the that the joy of that original to a certain degree and sort of ruin its like legacy and positivity for you. So yeah. there's no you know the the need of course is financial. Like yeah okay get, you know audiences will come to see it. Keep the budget can make low. Money. Yeah, makes make, make a couple bucks and then you know we use it as tax write off stuff for this you know and we cover some of our losses somewhere else so it's like you know but even fans like who like who no one cares <laughs> you know yeah. like no one likes this stop making it you know and and people are way, still going to see it
0: by the way we're so. still doing that now <laughs> we're still making oh, yeah. the oh. same mistake and we always and, oh, absolutely. you know the studios always well probably
2: yeah anything to put you this, know anything that they think is going to put Butts and seats to make money. Yeah. This,
1: this, uh, superhero movie costs us 100 million. So the sequel to it should be 250 million and that'll make us two and a half times more money. And it's like, that's not, that's not true at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, well, you're not going to turn it, that into seven billion dollars or whatever.
2: For some time, that math did work though with the, with the Marvel movies. I don't think it works anymore. People are not flocking to those the same way they did pre Avengers Endgame but well
0: that's that's when you have a clear storyline happening when you have the long game mapped out like yeah. they had through Endgame
2: Oh it makes all the difference.
0: It makes sense. Like you're setting things up that have a payoff. You know what the end is. So you can do all these cool things to lead to that path. This did not have that. Friday the 13th did not have that. Nightmare on Elm Street didn't have that. You know none of these did and that's why they all Just was it was like bad movie after bad movie. And and I know there's fans of it and there's I do yeah, there are plenty worse movies than Halloween six, but it's the potential that like, you know, we know Halloween is this great thing. We got perfection with the first film, and then we've got some great things in a couple of the other movies, but we've never been able to get anywhere near that first one again, at at this point, especially.
2: It's amazing. The more of these we watch, the more I really start to appreciate Halloween three. Yeah. Yeah. Still is freaking ridiculous that they called it a Halloween movie, but it is so much better than four, five, and six. Like it It is is. so much better. It
0: really is. And if oh, it is the only thing they need to do different is just take that Halloween three out of the title. And then it's, I think all these, the baggage that comes with it is just gone.
2: Absolutely. Or just lose part two and then do the anthology thing that you wanted to do all, all together. Yeah. But yeah. Either way, whatever. That's not what went down. Instead, we have 14 different storylines for Halloween. <laughs> we have three yeah. different versions of this movie, none of which are yeah. any good.
0: Yeah. Um so after Tarantino and Scott Spiegel, uh, you know Spiegel really never—I don't think he ever ended up really putting a full script together. Uh, Roger Avery makes an attempt. to co-wrote Pulp Fiction with Tarantino? Scott Rosenberg, uh, you know, makes an attempt at a script. Those both fail. Matthew Patrick is brought on to direct. He leaves the project. Fred Walton is brought on the project. He leaves the project just weeks before shooting. They ended up bringing Daniel Farren's uh, back to in June of 1994 to, and they tell him like, you got to pick up the pieces of from four five and all these different scripts that were half written and put a story together. So since he's the one that knew the franchise, the best out of everybody, it falls back to him and they bring on Joe Chappelle to direct. Now, Joe Chappelle had only done a, a very low budget movie that got a lot of attention called thieves quartet, but, Joe Chappelle became a big TV director later on, including some of the very best episodes of The Wire, which as we're recording wow. this, I'm currently rewatching. And I literally watched uh, probably the best episode of the series the other night. And I was like, Oh, Joe Chappelle, there you go. That's oh. kind of hilarious that he does such amazing work, but this is on his resume too.
1: We all have a Halloween six in our resume. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we do. Uh, and and he's really in a tough position because he's he's getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And that's what's really going on with this movie is that Dimension Films wants to be making and the Weinsteins. Ugh, I don't want to say that name, but uh, are, are wanting to make one movie. Then you've got Mustafa Akkad who wants to make a different movie and you have Daniel Ferencz who wants to make a different movie. And Joe Chappelle right. is just shooting these scenes, trying to appease somebody, anybody, everybody. He makes uh, all this three is, movies. Yeah. And, and like, I, I don't, it's kind of like, um, alien three that I don't fault the director for being put in this situation. They're doing, especially him. It's, um, you know, and David Fincher as well. It's like your first yeah. opportunity at a big movie, your first big movie. It's a s- franchise movie, so you want to go out there and do a good job. But um, it's tough. It's it's hard when the movie is not on its feet for a director to do what they do. Yeah. So okay, let's let's kind of get into the characters and the plot lines here. So the Thorn Cult plot line is that do you guys understand david like what is your take on that like could, could you explain what they're doing
1: it's a bunch of people that believe in the sort of we get we get some lore from tommy doyle that explains that there there's a constellation of 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 the runic symbol uh of the thorn which is the most evil rune the that there is and uh so that there's this cult that sort of worships that that's evil that bad mojo of that constellation but then uh it's also tied to michael's a uh, presence uh in Haddonfield, and so that the the tommy points out that whenever the constellation is present is when michael myers kills and uh, so you know it, it was on only on certain years and in the timeline. So, but it's this the but the action. So Tommy gives the audience a taste of what it is to sort of explain what these cultists do. But we never get anything with the cultists really. We don't get a lot of like, like they they they're so far in the C story of the of yeah. the movie. Like it doesn't get enough attention. So it's just this. It's just like this hanging. Like extra detail it's, it seems very extraneous so instead of like leaning into this as like the main as part of the main plot line they you know they, it gets shoved all the way to the side to explain anything and what like yeah. they're what they're really up to i think right and like and, yeah and mike and michael embraces them like he he cavorts with them while they do these like rituals
2: with him right like yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's kind of part of it he's pure evil and then the man in black is the watcher right. over him right like which yeah. makes you kind of think that maybe he in some way sort of can manipulate him and so right. i mean this story it de- honestly i think depending on which version you see it might be a little bit different but the version i think it is yeah the version that i saw uh-huh. which is the producer's cut is mostly based around the thorn Uh, deal here and it's kind of the handing off of pure evil from michael myers to danny strode which is you know the little kid that that lives in the house now and also the handing off of the the watcher the man in black from from you know the dr Wen character to the donald pleasant's character and, and the reason Donald Gosh. Pleasance is now the Watcher is because he's the guy who basically sensed the pure evil in Michael from the get-go. So they're connected. Like, they're linked. Yeah. So, he was
0: the first one to sense the true evil in Michael.
2: Right. Which doesn't make a lick of sense. But <laughs> but that's kind of, you know, that's sort of the, the takeaway. And then and then Paul Rudd's character Tommy Doyle is essentially the kid who was being babysat by uh Laurie way back in the day, right? In the yeah. first film, yep. In the first film, and so like he's like obsessed with all of this and is basically like he's figured out the rune thing. He's like supposed to be your guide through this movie kind of explaining some of these pieces but it's it's so choppy and Paul Rudd's performance is look I love the dude but the performance is so like concrete and wooden and it's just like the deliveries are like I feel like he is deliberately delivering the lines in a very like non performance method like almost making a joke of the of the script as he's doing it. Like, I think there's a world in which you can watch his performance to this and be like, he's making a mockery of it. <laughs> or you could also watch it and be like, Wow, he has not learned what he's doing yet. You know, like it, it rides <laughs> a very fine line.
0: It feels like he's like learning on the job. Definitely. It's such a it's so strange to see that. I mean, even it, like you do diff- You watch it now, and today's Paul Rudd would be doing that as a joke.
2: Well, and he had done some TV stuff and some shorts and some, like, I think a made-for-TV movie prior to this. But, like, if you see his performance in this compared to his performance in Clueless, right? It is night and day. And granted, they're two totally different movies. But just from an acting standpoint, like, he's so much better in Clueless than what his performance is in this. And it's yeah. weird to think that these movies that were filmed, I think like three, three months apart from each other, were that, like so much changed Yeah. between between the two. Well, and
0: Clueless really him. salvaged it for him because if there was a bigger gap between this and Clueless, I don't know if he would have worked well, again. really Well, in a Clueless major came movie.
2: out Clueless came out first, which I think also oh, that's right.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: saved his ass. Clueless yeah. came out like in July, I think, of 95 or summer of 95, something like that. And and even though this movie, it's so funny, you watch the credits of this movie, it's like introducing and starring Paul Rudd. Yeah. You know, He's the first this credit. Mo- yeah. <laughs> yeah. This I think it's not. I think I don't think it's the first credit. I think it's the like the tail credit like the also starring at, you know, like Uh, I think it's that, but, but this movie released after clueless. And I think because clueless came out and it was so popular, you'll notice the next movies he did were more like the romantic comedy type type movies. And, and he was able to kind of parlay that into, into stuff until, you know, there's like, there's like, I was thinking about it. There's like four stages of, of like Paul Rudd's acting. There's, there's kind of the clueless and romantic comedy stage. There's the, there's the uh, uh, Judd Apatow stage. There's the Marvel stage. And then there's all the shit that he did before, which is like, it is, it is definitely curse of Michael Myers, but there's a handful of other things that are just like, what is this stuff yeah yeah
0: really? it's it's uh it's just odd watching it to see this you know what we know now is this really funny actor and this very great actors in huge movies just kind of like having it not work for him
2: <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> it was
0: a struggle but but it's almost uh, worth
2: watching just to see him like that's yeah. that's what i would say about this movie like I don't know that there's many reasons to watch it except to watch like the evolution of that and to see like what, how a person can like grow like their talent can, you know, just increase exponentially. So
0: the story, so, all right, the story in the film is taking place six years after Halloween the events of Halloween 5. So just like in reality how there's a 6 year gap there's a, there's that same gap in the story and we're picking up with J- Jamie Lloyd who's pregnant and is being you know or is giving birth really and is mm-hmm. uh, being wheeled around this dungeon hospital, right?
2: <laughs> that's yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> in, the,
0: in in the clutches of the Thorn cult. And I think one of the real travesties of of this movie is is the baffling reason they didn't cast danielle harris again
2: oh yeah it's ridiculous that they didn't i mean she would be the right age for the time frame still and in reading and like doing a little research like it was there was no reason like she was into it she was ready to do it it was literally over like a couple hundred dollars Like that's what it was. They wanted to pay her scale for the part. And she was like, well, I was the star of the fourth and fifth movie. Like, and she wasn't asking for like a ton more money. She was just like, shouldn't it be an extra bump? Like she basically wanted them to pay for, I don't know, some, I don't know if it was a union thing or whatever that she had to like get right with. There was it was like uh,
0: an insurance thing.
2: Yeah, and she wanted she them to eat pay the her. Cost of, yeah, yeah, she wanted them to basically like reimburse that amount of money, and pay her extra over scale, and they wouldn't do it because they're like, you're in, you know, in in the original theatrical version, she gets killed like immediately, and they're like, well, we're not going to do it, and people hadn't realized the genius of killing your star in the first fifteen minutes yet right right there's a way to
0: do it if you're gonna do that move there's a way to do it yeah
2: scream is the one that introduced that whole like let's let's do it this way we're gonna bait and switch everybody right but halloween wasn't on board they didn't understand they weren't gonna pay her the extra like i mean it was crazy i mean crazy like a, a couple hundred dollars maybe to 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 redo the role and then ultimately the role expanded over the course of the movie when they had to go back and do reshoots because you know, it, it was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. And what they do with the Jamie character is just, it, it, again, it's a, it's a character that feels completely lost. And I think they were feeling like, well, we don't have to worry about the old fans like it's it's just it it doesn't matter if it's not danielle harris like we're just people are just going to watch this movie for this movie and that's not how it works with these franchise movies and these specific horror you, you know uh these horror franchises in particular that yeah like they would be expecting to see danielle harris and the character feels entirely different and in the theatrical cut you're right like like she is gone very early in the movie and even in the producer's cut um they kind of write her out in a very weak way that but yeah. that's all I mean, they she, had
2: she makes it much later into the movie but like there's not a lot going on there's a couple flashback things that are added in the producer's cut that she would have been a part of but yeah like they totally miss the the mark like i mean for a movie like this like i think the approach has to be to like you know give the fans what they want and get them all excited and riled up. And then they're going to bring extra people to the theater.
0: Yeah. People you know, love to but, go on dates for to yeah, horror movies. They
2: didn't give a shit. <laughs>
0: yeah. So uh, we see, we see a chase sequence of, you know, Jamie giving birth a nurse within the cult or a midwife within the cult Helps Jamie escape with the baby out of the hospital. Michael Myers in pursuit, and it's sort of a chase film, right? There's like a car chase, and there's a bus, you know, there's a bus depot. And um, Jamie ends up leaving the bus in this <laughs> bus depot where in a bathroom stall where no one hears the baby for like at least a day, right? Like, or yeah, at least overnight, day. yeah, 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 um. At the same And and that's I think Where she's In the theatrical cut Where she's killed Um, Michael kills her there And it's just over And that's it Kind of like Writing out that character Like they did Rachel Carruthers In in Halloween 5 Which is Just people did not Want to see that Right Uh, So And that cult By the way The Thorn cult That plot line Kind of comes From the novelization Of the first film So Which is I I think a very hard to find novelization for anybody who collects those but they do get into the like how is this happening to michael myers this you know the spirit like uh this cult you know kind of gets this spirit to take over the child michael myers and possess him really to start killing and and his grandfather is a character in the book and he like kind of is aware of it as well so but that's where Daniel Farrens kind of saw that plot line and was like, well, let's really blow that up because it's it's brought up in five, but we'll really dive in all the way here. But it's still very messy. Um, so in the meantime, we meet the Strode family, which is Lori Strode's family, Jamie Lee Curtis's character. So this is where I get I get a little lost and I'm sure I'm not the only one. So they're her adopted family because i guess this is following the storyline that laurie strode and michael myers are brother and sister right right because jamie is jamie lloyd is laurie strode's daughter yes so she is you know uh uncle and niece with michael myers so all right so we're seeing the rest of the strode family which uh the mother played by kim darby who i love uh, it was, out. Yeah, just the great Kim Darby from Better Off Dead and uh, one of the early episodes of Star Trek and just so many cool things. Great actress who's just not given anything to work with here. But no,
2: she's still great, though. She's, yeah, totally. Like, like, like she's definitely a strong part to this. Yeah. yeah. And she her tries. small and her small bits. But like, yeah, it was good to see her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, Marianne Hagen, who's a new actress, uh, cast as Kara Strode, who would be Laurie Strode's adopted sister, I guess, younger sister.
1: Uh, sister, half sister, adopted sister, yeah. not blood sister. Well, she's
0: know. Laurie wouldn't be blood related to any of the Strodes, so right, okay, they're all family. So I think she is Laurie Strode's. Adopted. Do they
2: mention her at all in the movie? I don't even think they mention her. No, right they don't
0: mention the Laurie at all. Zero mention. Yeah. Um. And But so but Kara Strode it. basically is Laurie Strode. She looks yes. like her, she dresses like her, acts like her. So it's basically a redo of that character.
2: And she's in and college. she's got a
0: son. Yeah. And now she's got a son, Danny Strode, which is who the cult is trying to get to, to pass on. Right.
2: He's evil also from Michael to Danny. He also shows signs of accepting of the pure evil, I guess, like it can be handed off to him. Like yeah. he hears the voices. He sees the man in black and visions, you know, like all, all that jazz.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So we meet all these characters and we just see them and we see, that's where we see Tommy Doyle is the creepy guy across the street who's just staring at them out the window
2: with his camera face like dude 100% (laughs) Kara is not going to be like who's that guy that lives across she's gonna be like give me the phone I'm calling the cops Mm. this creep is staring in your bedroom with a camera (laughs) like yeah
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and on top of that so the Strodes have moved into the Myers house
1: why? Because, because how because the decisions. Well, remember Laurie's father or whatever, your yeah. uncle John Strode, was, who's
0: a very lovely human.
1: In like. the first movie, I think he was wasn't he a real estate agent? And even in back then, yes. so that's why they had access to these houses. Yeah. So there there is a minor throwaway. Your brother couldn't sell this house, so that's why we lived here. That's what uh that's what uh what's yeah, her it? face uh yeah. says. Right, they probably uh, got it for a great deal. Well, so yeah, yeah, so free house, even if it's a murder house. Yeah, I mean,
0: but that that situation. was like the Myers house became like the haunted house in the te- in the town of Haddonfield, right? Like everyone stayed away from it; they were scared of it. But I guess yeah. now we're now we're gonna loop it back into well, the
1: movie. Well, yeah. you get a you get a fresh coat of paint on it, and you move in.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, it wipes you don't tell away all the history. Yeah, so I think I think Kim is it Kim Darby that sort of gives us that info, right? When she's yeah. yelling at uh what's his face, her husband John Strode by yeah John by yes John Strode.
0: There was a uh, I, I will say on tw- on Twitter X whatever it's called now, uh they. They're used I don't think I think they got taken down but there was a whole bunch of character parody accounts and of all wow, the perfect. characters in the Halloween franchise and they were hilarious and I think the same person did all of them but That's John real. Strode was so funny so <laughs> it, if if check it out if there's if they're still uh, in existence that uh those uh parody accounts are are really hilarious but <laughs> yeah and and it was always like there was all the whole storylines going on about like you know sheriff Brackett and his reelection and then sheriff meeker was coming in and and then they like involved some of the stuff from the movie, so it's worth checking out but uh anyway the uh so where's dr loomis and all this and uh, the great donald pleasance in what would be his final film performance uh donald Pleasants would pass away after they finished filming but before they shot the reshoots. So they were kind of stuck with what they had for him. And, and, uh, and I think they dedicated Uh, uh. the film to him as well, but what do you do with that character? Uh, to me, it feels like that character is really pushed into a corner of, of like, you kind of done everything you're going to do with him. What, what else is left?
2: You make him the, the, the new, uh, man in black. You hand off the watcher. And he bellows yes, yeah. in the hallway. At, the, in at agony. the end
1: of is that what that means? He has to take over, right? He has to be gets yes. the rune. So yeah,
2: in he, this version, he's not happy yes, about that. Right. Yeah, in this so, version, uh, what
1: happens in the other ones?
2: The other ones, he just goes back in. He says, "I have business to take care of," and he goes back well, inside.
0: So the the theat- so that they're very different endings. The theatrical very cut, different. the producers cut, the theatrical ending is. After you know the action has happened inside the hospital, and um, we see Michael confronting uh, Doctor Wynn slash the Man in Black, who we'll talk about next. Doctor Loomis helps uh, Tommy and Kara and Danny escape in the truck, and it's the same scene where they they drive off in the truck, but and you see you leave Doctor Loomis standing outside the hospital, and then it cuts back to. Tommy and Kara driving, and you just hear Loomis scream, and that's the end of the movie, and then it like goes to black. So it's just like, what? What happened? Like we have no idea. that didn't make any sense at all. So in this one, we get a little more clarity that he sees them off. He goes back. Uh, Doctor Loomis goes back inside the in the hospital, and he sees Michael Myers laying on the ground. And as he approaches him, takes the mask off. It's Doctor Wynn, who, in his death, you know, on his deathbed, passes off the leadership of the cult to Doctor Loomis via that tattoo. So, and then he screams, and then Doctor Loomis screams, and that's where the scream yeah. came from that they used
2: in the theatrical cut. Do they even have the scenes in the? Like the the actual like what I don't know what to call it but like the séance scenes or whatever, where Kara is. Out, you know, Kara gets knocked out. She wakes up. She's like tied down. All the all the people from Thorn are around her. Like which is everybody people. in the
0: town. The town, like, yeah, right, yeah.
2: And so, but I don't think in the I don't think in the theatrical cut that. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think in the theatrical cut it's as detailed. Like the whole part where she's like, oh, wait, you're like that baby is you and Jamie's baby. Like in this version, in the producer's cut, they, they do this whole thing where Michael Myers and Jamie are the parents of that baby. Like basically, yeah, that Michael Myers is the one that got Jamie pregnant and that's his kid yeah but they don't do that in the theatrical cut i don't think
0: no no they're all of those scenes are very they're very different they're just like cut together totally different there's different you know angles are sort of taking on it and what they're not getting into it's mostly what they're not getting into it in, yeah yeah that they expanded in the producers cut um so yeah, so that's where Doctor Loomis is left in this version in the producer's cut. He's left with now he's taking over the cult, and that's actually the last time we see Doctor Loomis in any storyline, uh, because Donald Pleasance passed away, and they never. We saw in the new the new in one of the new Halloween films that they you know went back and reshot or, you know shot some footage with a, a lookalike actor, but they've never really replaced Donald Pleasance because. I don't know. You say how how can you, but they do it all the time now. So right. Um, so and and this marks the end of really like this Jamie Lloyd trilogy storyline. This offshoot from the the second
2: movie. That, yeah, because well, the, the next movies are like, aren't they HBO or HBO H two O and Resurrection no. and and uh, like oh, they boy. bring Jamie Lee Curtis back.
0: Right. Yeah. The next one's fun. Like when we get to H2O next year, like we're going to have a lot of fun with that one. Cause that was a big deal it and was it was a reset deal. for the franchise and trying to get it back on its feet again. And in a yeah. real way. And like John Carpenter was semi-involved with it. Uh, and obviously Jamie Lee being a presence, it's like going to take it to a different level, but, um, but that's, you know, the many different, we talked about this before, the many different, uh, plot lines of of this series you know that the there's there's one and then the new movies there's one two and H20 and part eight and then there's one two four five six and so this one wraps up that you know that path yeah
1: the, the end of this universe yes of yeah. storylines yeah. Yeah. yeah where Laurie cool. been
0: killed and Now, Jamie Lloyd's been killed, and there's really, you know, Dr. Loomis is, I guess, in this version, he's still alive, so, uh, in the theatrical cut, cut, it's insinuated that he is killed, but, uh, yeah, so it's, what a mess. Um, I do want to talk about Dr. Wynn slash The Man in Black, because Mitchell Ryan, who we lost a year or two ago, is just such a great actor. And I think he really tries uh, with that character. And the scene where it's revealed that the man in black is Dr. Wynn, I think was like a total like villain scene. And he does, I think the best you can with it. But yeah, I mean, from Lethal Weapon to Gross Point Blank and a million other movies and TV shows, like he was just one of those great character actors.
1: I liked him in Uh, Liar Liar
0: he's uh he was in so many things in like the late 90s he was just all over the place that that was the jenna elfman show uh i forget what that show was called but, oh uh,
1: darman greg no. darman
0: greg yeah that he was darman I think, wh- her one of the parents in that so he was.
1: yeah uh, i i'm but, sorry yeah. i was, i'm really distracted because i've been thinking this ever since you mentioned alien 3 i'm like could ripley take michael myers down <laughs> that's oh, all i can think uh, about hell
0: yeah i w- I would say yeah. Ripley could take I out Michael Myers. I mean,
1: I don't know though. What we know of Michael Myers, he's he's had so many movies. He's unkillable. He's he's a force of nature. She, yeah. She's facing pretty st- tough stuff. I mean the thing it's it is it's almost like, you know, it's almost an unfair kind of thing. It's could Superman beat Superman, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um this man in black character, again. It was just a character that was created out of nowhere for part five that they're trying to.
2: Let's leave it on a cliffhanger.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: and they're trying to. There had to be an intention, though. There had to be like we're not going to just. There's somebody had to be like if I make the next one. I mean, we make the next one. We're going to expand. Well,
0: I know. I I think. I think you're right. I think that was like we felt like they just made something up.
2: Well, they did in five. They made it up and then. At the very end. It was like something they tagged on at the very end. Yeah, I think, I think it's the a good story
1: that... idea.
0: There was no story I a... idea. I mean, there, there, we'll I, during five, it was, we'll figure it out later. Wouldn't it be cool if we just have this mystery character floating around?
2: Right.
1: The the J.J. Abrams style of filmmaking. Yes, uh,
0: very much so. Make, yeah. uh,
1: present the unanswerable and don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? This is where you learn from. <laughs> He JJ. does it better. I think this is where he took it from. <laughs> yeah. But the but the exclamation the explanation they come up with in this movie, I like I think it's a good idea. It's just it doesn't they didn't give it enough
2: yeah, but life. You, they didn't you're, do anything with it. You're also again, this was not the, thea- the version you saw was not the theatrical cut.
1: Oh well, all so, right. I guess we're so uh, okay.
2: So this version they added a couple things here and there and they made they like fleshed it out a little bit better. And that's why people are like, okay, this version is the version you know, now it's like kind of credited as the best like it, the most logical of the versions. But like yeah. if you saw it in the theater when it released, uh-huh. like a lot of the things they did to try and tie that even more together, like they weren't there. Like and the and the editing in general was a lot more choppy, a lot more like MTV video music influence like it was all over the place like it was it was like that (laughs) yeah it was like this version is a I mean for for our purposes it is the most like well put together story of of all the versions but that's not the version that came out this version didn't come out Until like much later, like on a DVD. Like how easy is it? How easy is
1: it for me to see the theatrical version? Is it even considered? Like, do they put it out anywhere? Like, or they disavowed it?
2: And like, so so here's this producer's
1: version is like the official. This is now now. the
2: official. This is now the official version. Yeah. Okay. You can you can find the theatrical though I think on older DVDs. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you go to, um, Video Tech. Video tech. i i hey. oh, bet you can get it and they're new
0: okay. in their new building which is and their uh, new location in highland new Park. fancy new location.
1: location yep head on over the, to videotech the producer's
0: yes. cut was a bootleg version for years and years and it was like this on you know underground oh. cut that kind of got somehow started getting spread around that was like it was not clean it was like it was like an answer print almost that Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. it just started making its way and people were making VHS copies of it at the conventions and everything. And then eventually the studio was like, okay, I think that, that really enough momentum got behind it. That was like, we should make this the real one. And, and if it's, this is the one that's streaming, then that's saying that's definitely the one they want you to see yeah. get the other cuts. So yeah, yeah,
2: you can't, you can't find the director's cut to, to stream that I that I could find. Like all the versions, all the, I mean, this was obviously on Paramount Plus, but even the versions, like if you buy them from, from other streamers, like it's, it, I think it's this version. Uh, There's a, there's a director's cut as well, which apparently has, I I don't know what the differences are, except that the death scenes, I think are a bit more um, graphic gratuitous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm like John Strode when he when Michael Myers comes back to the house and he starts wiping out all the Strode family members or most of them he like John like he electrocutes John Strode i think in the basement and mm-hmm. his head ends up exploding but the, you only see that i think in the director's cut
1: oh that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that this character is such like... a jerk. I mean, he's just like <laughs> oh yeah, nothing he's, he's redeeming. Like, let's yeah, let's, let's get
2: to this guy's death, please. <laughs> yeah, and you know
0: it. The minute he
2: opens yeah, his mouth, you're like as oh, soon as he, he opens his, his mouth, everything he says is like kill this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. The actual like murders are not are bloodless and like nothing uh, for the most part, and like not even like it, it, it's it's amazing. Like this, this is like a such a neutered like. I mean, yeah, like they they added stuff to try to create coherence, but you know, this is literally a nothing movie in yeah, a lot of ways. Nothing stands out, you know, other than the the casual incest, cult behavior, <laughs> yeah. um, some 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 minor. No, well, I guess there's not too much problematic stuff, right? I, you know what, uh, David,
0: David, you should you should pitch this movie right now. Like, uh, where the like you're selling it to Brent and I that. What would, yeah. how would you sell this movie
1: oh you know how Michael Myers like we've seen him and he's been like just this unkillable like machine and he he fucks up everybody and like it's just like massively cool yeah. deaths and, and stuff and he's like he's a real threat to the neighborhood and, and, and nobody knows anything about him let's erase all that he has all these bloodless <laughs> murders he uh, impregnates his, his niece uh, who gives birth uh there's this cult that like just loves loves his evil and uh you know and then hopefully we can make it so he passes his evil on to a, a child and then we'll just do, we'll do more movies with this with a new with a new character. Uh, what do you think?
0: S- sold. I'm I'm we're in. How much Buy money it. do you
2: need? I and, need $300. Yeah. <laughs> and on and on top of it we're going to bring back the guy who had the Weakest silhouette ever for the shape of Michael Myers. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. George, George P. Wilbur is brought back uh, from the fourth movie. He was Michael Myers in the fourth one who we talked about it in that episode. I, I'm not, you know. Threat- he's not threatening. He, he's a good stuntman and everything, but yes. it just they never recaptured that shape of uh, of mostly of, of Nick Castle from the first film. And I like Dick Warlock in the second one. I, I can take that one, but yeah. uh, up until the new ones, they just they, they just they didn't have that presence, that intimidating presence.
2: Yeah, I agree. You know what's funny is, so I, I I spoke a lot in the fourth one about how I felt like, you know the 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 body of Michael Myers in that movie just seemed very like kind of thin and not threatening and you know, just kind of yeah. scrawny. Yeah. Apparently. So they brought George Wilbur back, but when they did the reshoots, they brought a different guy back to, to play the part because the director thought that George Wilbur was too bulky <laughs> and they wanted to thin him out. Oh my which, God. Like blows my mind. I don't understand. It didn't compute. I thought I read that wrong. I was like this. What? Huh?
1: What? But yeah,
2: <laughs> that's real, and I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference between either of the two, and the mask in this one is god awful. It's just so funny. yeah, the,
0: and the mask is made by John Carl Buechler, who was the director of uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, the New Blood, mm-hmm. Brent's mm-hmm. favorite in the series.
2: It is one of my favorite in the series. Yes.
0: So yeah, so he, you know, he was a a creature effects. Uh, you know, and special Mm -hmm. effects, you know, one of the best in the industry really at that time. And, and he did that molded it right around George Wilbur's face. But again, it just doesn't capture the magic of that first film at all.
2: Well, and the neck piece part of it just is always kind of like sloppy into the side. Like it just doesn't look like it fits.
0: Yeah. And the hair, the hair is not, you know, it's kind of wild in the back and all over and Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, it's a miss. Michael Myers is like barely in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's you rarely see him. It's we spend so much time with Loomis and and Kara Strode and Tommy and the man in black and all the other, you know, stuff that's going on. Like there's really not a lot of room left for Michael Myers to do his thing. It's so the movie's just so overcrowded with story uh that what works for Halloween the original Halloween, it is it, and, and like a lot of carpenter things, it's very straightforward. Just stay on task for what this story is and you don't need all these different things. And this is like the total opposite direction of just too much going on.
1: Well, you had to add the sexy quotient with uh Kara's brother and his girlfriend. Yeah. Yep. yep. And gotta like, add that. There's just so there's just this other side, which we spend all way too much time with 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 them and like the barry sims like this this is like uh this whole like shock jock
0: yeah the yeah uh, yeah. they tried to get
2: howard stern to play that part they actually he was was shooting private parts i think yeah he turned it down because he wanted to do private parts but but they (laughs) they reached out to try and get him uh oh he would have been great i think
1: think that'd be great that's that's like uh What's her face in in the original in the Toby Maguire Spider Man two? Who was that artist that did the? She had a, like a live concert. Oh man, it's gonna bug me. It's like you know, oh Macy Gray maybe Macy Gray Macy Gray in a Spider Man movie. You know, like oh, yeah. zeitgeisty of the moment. Not that Howard, Howard Stern's been. He's pretty. He's been around for what, fifty years now. So, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know, forty years. But I, it would have been cool to have like <laughs> Howard Stern at sort of his. Ron like sort of raunchiest time. Yeah. To be the raunchy character and then get killed in a in a Halloween movie. I think that would have been awesome.
0: Everything with that Barry Sims character I thought was awful. And it was so hard to listen to. He's just like beyond a despicable character. And all the callers that were calling in was just like they. Like has anyone gone to an an acting class or a voice acting class? Like it just
1: screams like not a movie to me. (laughs) I I just thought it was like I. if any of these people listen to the radio? (laughs) radio. Yeah, I'm just like no talks like that. Like no one calls in. Like, but yeah it. Oh, I, I hated so much of that that portion, and that's that's a good twenty percent of the movie. It's like the, the the brother and the Barry Sims obsession, yeah, and then him on the air because he, you know, he makes a big publicity thing. He's 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 kind of a problem for for Michael Myers, right? Like he's bring, he's bringing all this attention on the cult and or more right. or rather like in the town. So it's like all this other stuff could happen. Well, away. that's uh, I think it's Myers it's
0: through to the. It's through the radio show that Doctor Loomis gets brought back into the story, right? Because Doctor oh, w- he's right. retired. Doctor Wynn goes to, um, goes to Doctor Loomis to get him to take over Smiths Grove Sanitarium, right? Right. Or hospital, and and uh, they're together listening to to Barry Sims' radio show when Jamie, who's at the moment escaped from michael myers calls in and she's like begging dr loomis for help i don't know how she would know he'd be listening to that radio program but the only he was. radio
2: program yeah. on the planet
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then they go to uh get get in the middle of it again so
2: can i just say and how
1: awesome is it that there's like two or three cell phone use scenes and they are very casual about it it's almost like Oh, we've reached the cell phone era where it's just sort of <laughs> ubiquitous for these characters. Yeah. There's like two or three yeah. scenes, and, I was, and they don't make a big deal. Like, I got a, I got my <laughs> new Motorola. Let me call. Or yeah. I mean, I know car phones already existed for so long, but like personal cell phones that are like not the bricks, like that's a like I don't know. Like to me, that's a huge deal in movies because that changes so much of like what you would do in a horror film is like if you had a cell phone, a lot of this stuff would not happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's and, uh,
2: What's funny when I was researching September, 1995, one of the things that popped up is that text messaging was uh-huh. like a brand new thing. Like it just started, it just started happening around this time, but you could only text from like, you had to be on the same carrier. Like you couldn't All text right. from carrier to carrier. You had to be, Yep. like i don't know who the carriers were then AT&T was probably around but yeah, yeah whoever you know and they probably
1: and the texting probably cost like 50 cents per text probably like yeah. something like that like back in 95 yeah i can guarantee you <laughs> it definitely <laughs> must have cost something uh wow what is isn't that funny boy that's 28 years ago uh we've been living with the cell phones Yeah. Uh, That I I don't know. I think 1995 is a perfect spot to like. That's a transition point, you know. Everyone's getting online. You know, everyone's got personal computers are are starting to enter everyone's home, and the World Wide
2: Web is becoming a thing. Right then, yeah, like right then,
1: and they're like making it very casual. Just even like him using the computer to show the runes. They're not making a big deal of like how this is computer technology. But what I fucking loved was that he was listening to the radio show and recording it on a reel to reel and i'm like uh <laughs> here like this like yeah. this 25 year old dude's recording the radio on a reel to reel like instead yep. of a, a maxell cassette yep <laughs> absolutely not
0: <laughs> so baffling this movie there's a couple things i did i did like about it though uh one was i appreciated they they shot this uh in the fall of 94 in salt lake city so and it was actually the same You know same area that they shot parts four and five so you have a little bit of visual consistency there and i also really enjoyed the score for this one which was of course done by the great alan howarth who was a Hmm. former uh i know it's a partner but did you know a lot of the scores uh, for the early carpenter films yeah before they kind of split up and and then he went his own way but i think he did a good job of keeping that sound Consistent with the other films and uh, the the Halloween theme as well, so I like those. That's about yeah, and and I do think Donald Pleasance, you know, again consistent with the other performances, always a little bit over the top in certain certain scenes and takes, but uh, that was his thing. And
2: they got rid uh, of his scarred up face. They oh, even yeah. made a whole <laughs> big deal in the movie, like, oh yeah, I got some surgery done to t- clean it up. <laughs> yeah like good job buddy
0: Donald Pleasants didn't want that shit put on his face anymore
2: right Uh, yeah which I I can make sense apparently his health like he was in bad health while they were shooting so you know like well you could
0: tell I mean you could see that he's thinner he's lost weight um and he would really he would pass away what I think three months four months after they uh finished filming
2: Yeah. He, did he pass away in, was it February 95?
0: Yeah. February 95. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's fitting that his final role is as Dr. Loomis. That was really his iconic character, but he also played a a lot of other great characters that get overlooked. You know, it's, it's like this and James Bond or, and maybe the great escape. Nobody looks at all the other stuff that he did, but yeah. uh, yeah. he did have a really really good career and a great actor so so the movie is you know they finish filming the movie's a mess dimension ends up approving uh reshoots and additional scenes but does not bring daniel Farren's back because there's just too many cooks in the kitchen and they were like sh- adding scenes on the fly when they were shooting and like Studio wasn't hadn't approved certain things, and it just doesn't work like that. And they were like wrapping the crew, but then they would keep a few people on and keep shooting, and they were doing a lot of weird, uh, odd things. To
2: yeah, get literally, director. like literally writing scripts, like pages, yeah. which while they while they're shooting them.
0: Yeah, like the actors don't know, and it probably you know that may have contributed to. What was happening with paul rudd that like if the actors don't have enough time with it they're not going to be able to just spout those lines as well as they could so
1: yeah
0: yeah paul rudd
2: if you're listening by the way look you're a badass i hope one day you and i can laugh about this performance together
0: (laughs) i would hope that he would at this Uh, point
2: i i feel like he's the type of guy who has a very good sense of humor about himself yeah (laughs) I
1: I can I gotta imagine he's been asked about it in the last ten years. Like I mean, there's oh, gotta I'm be sure. something about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if they approached him. Sport.
0: I wonder if they approached him to uh, for the new films to come back as Tommy Doyle.
1: Maybe. Yeah.
0: Wonder he's like if that. He's, happened. He's hard pass with Danny McBride writing and producing it. There's a there's a connection there.
1: Yeah, I could have seen him being all right with it, with that. Yeah. Probably way too busy, though. Probably just way too busy.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Should we talk a little box office glory and see how this one actually fared? Yes. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers comes out. Uh, September 29th, 1995, it comes out against Devil in a Blue Dress, The Big Green, Steel Big, Steel Little, and Moonlight and Valentino. Those are all blasts from the past.
2: I don't remember uh, any of those. I remember Devil in the Blue Dress, right? That had that was Denzel? Yeah, that was Denzel. Uh, I remember The Big Green. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard Steel Big, Steel Little and i remember moonlight and valentino i don't think yeah I've those seen were it, but I remember.
0: those were indie films they were much smaller releases but technically out that that weekend uh it had a five million dollar budget and it opens up at number two. Ooh, has a 7.3 uh, million dollar uh opening weekend and it uh It ends up, uh, right between seven was still number one of the box office and devil in a blue dress was number three. So that's your top three. Uh, it's total domestic run was 15.1 million. So again, they made money, but not anywhere near like a $10 million profit at most was not what they wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, it ends up as number 97 of 1995 right between muriel's wedding and wings of courage so really way down the list uh yeah tops, top yeah. at the box office was toy story batman forever and apollo 13. Ooh. now looking at the halloween movie specifically where this one falls financially well it's number nine out of eleven uh i don't include those two rob zombie ones which we will never discuss here they're the blasphemy, even though Danielle Harris is in one of them. So he is.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. That means we won't be covering those.
0: No, we won't. No. Nope.
1: We're, we've only got two left.
0: We don't got need to two recover left.
1: any franchise reboots. Two left H2 on resurrection. Yes, that's right.
0: So just going back to this one, it uh comes in number nine out of the 11 Halloween films that we're talking about. Uh And it's right between, Halloween 4 and Halloween 3. So still all of those at the disappointing end of the spectrum financially. Now, where do you guys rank this one with the uh, amongst the the six films in the series so far? Where do, where do you put this one? Personally.
2: Uh dude, I honest uh, I honest to God believe that each of the movies progressively get worse. At this point, has now become the third the third best movie just by Whoa. default because 4, 5 and 6 are for me I just don't, I don't enjoy that I don't think they were done well you know like I, I could be into the Thorn hmm. thing I could be into the Jamie Lloyd thing but like it's just so shoddy the whole the whole deal you know that it doesn't it doesn't really work for me so like I put it s- smack dab at the end man yeah I'll, yeah, I'll put I, it at the bottom I you mean, maybe, up, maybe I'll bump it up to five for Paul Rudd. I don't know, but that's it.
0: You <laughs> can't get in. No, I reason. I agree. I think uh, I guess. Yeah, I would probably say I like them in the order that they came out. Uh, at this point, yeah, six definitely being the worst. It's really hard to watch. Yeah, five is <laughs> yeah. hard to watch too. But at least there's Danielle Harris and Loomis is more consistent. All right.
1: and yeah, it's, do okay. You know, yeah. You gotta give him a for effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what this do you think? Effort, okay,
0: right? so, so a modern audience, David this this is you, well, a modern audience. Rem- but you're seeing it now, today, 2023. You're seeing this movie for the first time. What do you think oh. an audience, uh, your average audience from today, is going to think watching this movie now?
1: uh boring and confusing and um uh, not really worth it's not scary it's not it's not that engaging none of the characters are really likable
2: it feels like a you strange know. like 70s maybe even 80s movie but it's like mid 90s like it just it's doesn't like a, yeah, exactly
0: it's got a it's weird like, yeah <laughs> like a they're still using, using- <clears throat> They're still using like the 80s formula, but it's the mid 90s, you know, and yeah. clearly the the horror audience is tired of what they're being fed and they want something new and different. And they're going to get it a year later.
2: Well, yeah, normal and activity. I... <laughs> yeah, no, not, so. not quite. Scream though. the relic. I'm talking oh. about the relic, <laughs> the relics <laughs> but, mimic. <laughs> but also you've got movies coming out at the same time again, like seven, you know, that are like dark and terrifying and compelling and like so masterfully like I mean they're grotesque but so masterfully like put together and manipulating I mean it's just like you know like you take a movie like 7 and you compare it to something like this and it's like leagues different you know, and, yeah. and it's, it's just like, you're not going to be able to compete when that's like the new expectation for things. And that's yeah. why, you know, like, that's why scream works, you know? Cause like, I think scream it, like it took a look at all of it and, you know, obviously got super meta and was able to kind of turn everything on its head and have you look at the same thing that you've seen a bunch of different times, but look at it differently and like, kind of you know, be self-aware, you know? And it's like, it, it, everybody knew it, you know, the formula was played out. Yeah.
0: And Scream is so, you know, watching it now, I, I mean, I saw it as a horror movie for a really long time. Now I watch it and I see it as this dark comedy. That's Mm. just, just as brilliant as the the horror movie is. So yeah, there's like different ways you can watch that movie. And yeah, it stands up in
2: both sides.
0: Absolutely. So I, I just you know when when I tell talk to people about the Halloween franchise now, there's so much like so much to say that <laughs> really like if you just want a great movie, like just watch the first movie. If you want to see a little more, watch the first and second movie. After that, they just kind of they lose their way. And maybe part four like tries to keep back to the formula, but it's just nowhere near the level of of uh, one or or two, really.
2: Well, at this hmm. point, it's like what's interesting because of all the different choose your own adventure is like what what are you most interested in? Do you know? Like, are you interested in like an occult type thing? Are you interested in the Jamie Lee Curtis character? Are you interested in You know, just the the terror of a Michael Myers, like hunting people down, you know, like you've got like options, you know, like I think the worst thing you can do in this particular case is watching one through whatever in specific order. Instead of that, like find whatever story you're most interested in and just watch those, you know, and then like later on, go back and like watch this other chunk and see how they work together but like don't you don't have to i don't think you necessarily (laughs) so much (laughs) i mean david doesn't look
1: you know i'm not representative of anything (laughs) yeah this is for
2: people who are curious you know like about these movies david we forced to be here through contract and so actually
0: (laughs) you guys can't see it he's handcuffed (laughs) to his yeah uh, there's there's no
2: he cannot he cannot avoid this situation Um, (laughs) you know we're making him watch them one after the other but I I would suggest if you're going to watch them like figure out like you can find on the internet like what the storylines are for each one and how they kind of connect see which one sounds the most interesting and try and watch it that way because if you're going to try and watch it as one big long piece like it's all over the place
1: yeah really
0: yes
2: so yeah
1: it's a good point
0: Choose your own adventure i I love that. That's the way to talk about the Halloween franchise. Mm,
2: mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's the best way to like yeah. summarize the experience like it's choose your own adventure you know like what do what are you into and what are you what are you interested in like watching?
1: but I just can't wait to see Jamie again in a Halloween movie so You're next gonna. year Jamie Lee get, get
2: Jamie Lloyd Jamie
1: Lee oh, oh yeah. Jamie Lee
0: Jamie Lee she's well, coming she's back. Like, Next, right, let's, let's... Uh, next Halloween, shocktober. I have to wait a whole year. <laughs> well, oh. you can, you can watch it whenever you want, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> watch I'm it not again. Do
1: that. Yeah, I don't want to risk having to watch it twice. <laughs> well, wait
0: a minute. So, and we'll get into this in that episode. But yeah, th- like we're about to go into another yet another reboot of this franchise. But mm-hmm. we're gonna get Jamie Lee Curtis back. We're gonna get uh, LL Cool J. Okay. Yeah. Come on. Right there. He was, he was,
2: dude, he he was like a bunch of shit right around that time, too. Like, he was like the, 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 the face of the hip hop acting game at that moment. Lucy
0: and, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But we're going to get, we're going to get a very small role for Janet Lee. She's coming by. We've got Adam Arkin, Josh Hartnett.
2: Hartnett. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Also a major player at the moment yeah Michelle Williams
0: Michelle Williams and I think Dawson's Creek was already on I believe so this was her yeah. first movie though I believe so yeah I, think it's I like mean right h2o was
2: a big deal I remember like I, huge deal yeah yeah oh so no, I, I'm I saw excited it. I saw this one at the theater too like this was this one got me amped up to go I was like yes Jamie Lee's back yeah, we, we were came, in
0: up. we were in college together when when it came out it was a yeah. huge huge deal so it's I don't gonna think be fun we saw it together, that one though. No, we didn't see it (laughs) again. I just I'm looking forward to a movie where you care about the characters and you know it's like things. At least I remember H2O making sense. I have not seen that in a long time, but we'll. uh, Oh, I doubt it makes
2: sense, but it's going to be fun to (laughs) rewatch.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, All right, so that's Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. Let's come back to our. Six Degrees of Reconsideration, we were trying to connect Halloween 6
2: to Toy Story. What'd you guys come up with? Brian, how'd you do? I did good. I got it. I mean, Paul Rudd makes this not hard, but mm. but uh, I don't know. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go?
1: I can go. You've probably got a better pathway, so... Uh, yeah with uh, The Curse of Michael Myers we have Paul Rudd uh, Paul Rudd was in Wet Hot American Summer with Bradley Cooper Bradley Cooper was in Wedding Crashers with Christopher Walken Christopher Walken was in Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks Tom Hanks is in Toy Story
2: nice that's good well done uh, I'm gonna go Not pa- bad. yeah I'm gonna go Paul Rudd in Avengers with Jeremy Renner Jeremy Renner in Hawkeye with Vincent D'Onofrio, Vincent mm-hmm. D'Onofrio in Full Metal Jacket with R. Lee Ermi. and Arlie Ermy in Toy Story. Very oh nice.
0: My
1: God, nice. Nice guys. That is, that's a nice pathway.
0: Um, just for just for shits and giggles, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna top both of you guys and oh, do yeah. it in they, one move.
2: Cheater though. See, but then you can't. It's like, come on, you. Rigged, I, I, it's rigged, but go ahead. Here. I wanna, it's it's
0: I wanna here. hear it. Paul Rudd uh, starred in Clueless with uh, Wallace Shawn, who is the voice of Rex in Toy Story. There you go. He's one there of the teachers in, in Clueless. Yep,
2: you're right. Oh, but there Paul you go. Rudd's the key. Anyway,
0: oh, like, yeah. you yeah. can't get to it without Paul Rudd, so
2: I bet you could. She's but Paul Rudd just makes it super easy.
0: Yeah. It, I bet you yeah.
2: could get it with Donald Pleasants. It would be
0: harder, but yeah, probably.
2: probably I'm thinking probably by Donald Pleasants to,
0: to Arlie Ermy somehow. It feels like well, a, a route. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah
2: that's why. That's, that's how I got to Arlie in, yeah. in the I was like, oh, but this is easier just because I know D'Onofrio's in... Daredevil I was like he's got to be in other Marvel stuff and I remembered he was in Hawkeye as well and I was yeah. like oh, that's easy so yeah. um, you could probably get to it through Mitchell Ryan too if anybody yeah. who's been in a couple you know I mean it's like you can usually get there I bet you could actually get there through Kim Darby as well and now well gonna...
0: Kim Darby and Mitchell Ryan both connect to Cus- John Cusack yeah so. Which you just rent, need like are Cusack's number one fan. We all. Know. Hey,
2: I love John Cusack. Except <laughs> I think that he needs to stop being a freaking baby about <laughs> shit and get back with Savage Steve Austin. That's all. Yeah. That's that's my big gripe. Put your put your diapers up and wipe <laughs> away the tears and get back to your roots, dude. Oh my God. He uh, hasn't done right. anything good in seventy two years. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a minute. Oh, a minute. boy. Sorry. Here comes I that Cusack that. vengeance again. I know that's All not right. true.
0: Well, guys, this wraps up our Shocktober 2023. What a month we've had. We've, we've looked at... We really started early because we looked at Alligator. And then we went to, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Friday the 13th, Part 8. Uh, or, sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Friday the 13th, Part 8. The Exorcist and I look back at William Friedkin. And now... Halloween six, uh, the Curse of Michael Myers is in the books. Are you, David? How excited are you for the month of November? And we're gonna we're gonna get into some Oscar level movies. We're gonna shift gears and get yeah, just change time the to, kind of movies we're we're looking. Time at.
1: to get back to some films.
0: Yes, some some <laughs> real films, some cinema. <laughs> the The Exorcist was up there. Yeah, but,
1: The you know. Exorcist. Come on, that's yeah. that's legit filmmaking. Kind of a silly yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a silly
0: movie it's kind of hilarious really it's
1: pretty funny it's pretty yeah. funny in a modern context
2: <laughs> not repossessed the Exorcist. It's, yeah. it's not it's not
1: as it's not as funny as repossessed
0: That's, no not quite no a little
1: bit but it is funny
0: <laughs> but yeah so stay tuned uh we're gonna have a, a couple of great movies coming up uh next month so stay tuned for that A quick shout-out and thank you to our friend, E.K. Wimmer, for the theme music. And uh, don't forget to check out his podcast, Laser Graves. And our good friend, Curtis Moore. Thank you for the poster. You can check us out. We're on social media, Reconcinimation Podcast on X slash Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there. Check out our archives at Reconcinimation.com. And while you're at it, give us a a five-star rating and a review. It always helps get the show... uh, will boost it a little bit so we appreciate that very much and guys that's it for shocktober here we head into november and we'll see you next time on Animation.
2: take care bye-bye now Donald Pleasance at the end of Halloween 6 was a huge blow to us personally and the franchise and the fans and um, I have nothing but great memories of Donald. Donald
1: was uh, just the warmest, loveliest guy. Oh yeah, I like Donald Pleasant very much. I really do. I mean, I I didn't get to know
0: him very much because he was quiet and he was a private person, I do believe. Um, but I liked his his aura. I mean, he, you know, he was... A, a man of theater and film, and what could you say? In, a, in another way, he was like
2: Cassavetes. He was an icon, you know, of all those earlier films.
0: Donald Pleasance and I didn't, didn't actually shoot together, but I did meet Donald during the filming, and um, I think that was one of the exciting elements, actually, about the film. I was like, oh, Donald Pleasance is actually doing the movie. So that felt... Um, special in some way and we, we had meals together and whatnot. but I didn't actually work with
2: him. I think he's a great actor.
1: Uh, Donald Pleasance was uh, a, an amazing gentleman. He's one of my favorite actors. It was, it was a pleasure to meet him and, and work with him. He was always one of those actors who you can uh, see works the scene. He's, he's prepared. There was an aura around him when he would walk on the set. So it was great. He's a real actor. So his delivery
0: doesn't need a score to pump it up. Donald was definitely uh, coming up in years and pretty feeble by the time we did the movie. So I was, I just thought he was a real trooper for still being at work. And he was invested in it,
2: and he seemed to care about the movie, so. Uh,
0: unfortunately, I didn't get to work with Donald Pleasance,
1: which uh, you know he had already passed. So it was, there was a very somber
2: kind of feel on set. and. Uh, You know, it didn't didn't quite seem right, it didn't really seem right without Donald there. We just uh, remember him fondly forever and dedicated the film to him and uh, you know you could dedicate all the films preceding that to him. He loved the character of Loomis, I think what he and John Carpenter created with that character was something that he loved playing and I believe at one point they asked him when he's going to stop and he said 22, so I think he was excited to do the role, he loved playing the role and he, he loved being up there in Utah with all of us and uh, I mean nothing but great memories of Donald.